needle on the record. Welcome to Wage Cucking with JMO. Alright guys, welcome to another episode of Wage Cucking with JMO. Uh, today we have a very special guest, uh, the, the young prince, Gajesh. Gajesh, how you doing? I'm doing great, JMO. How's it going? You know, um, uh, before we get started, uh, I just wanted to say that there are very few people in crypto as uh, young and as talented as you. Like the, the only one I can think of from the the past cycle is uh, a friend of ours, uh, Romano, who I think he got into crypto like um, uh, around when he was like fourteen or fifteen years old. He mm, yeah. was, he he developed his own. Uh, he was the lead developer for his own chain at seventeen years old. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but but other than that, um, I I know crypto is a bit of a a younger generation type thing, but it's 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 good to have someone um a little like you who who uh has has risen the ranks in crypto very quickly at such a young age. Um. So yeah, did, did, did tell me a little bit about your uh backstory, um how, how you got into crypto, especially on the development side, and then I guess a little bit about um like your journey today. Definitely awesome. Yeah, I, I started back uh like back coding when I was seven. I got into this like I used to play a lot of games. Um uh, my like we had like this like Samsung tablet back then and like I, I used to like download games like like whenever we have internet. Uh, uh so then like I, I, I started to like uh like play a lot of games and later like there was this boot camp which was happening near my uh near where i lived so i i went there like got to know about this thing called scratch uh built some games then finally thought like let's like scratch is like just like a drag and drop programming language so it's like mm. not very fancy like c or uh any other programming language generally so i i started uh learning c later so i got in like a institution nearby like did like a two-month course in c and c plus uh, plus when, when you were how old oh, Oh, uh, C, I think like eight and scratch when I was seven. Oh, wow. C yeah. when you're eight. Okay, let's. Yeah. Uh, let's and and w- w- was this all self taught? Like, uh, oh, you... no. So, I like scratch was somewhat self taught and like mix of YouTube. Uh, like C was, I went to a, a, a institution, like, uh, like coaching institution, and they, they basically taught it. Yeah. You keep uh, going. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, after after learning C C I started to look around web development, uh, built some built some websites, then got into robotics. Uh I hopped around different different like uh like industries all around, like trying to find like an edge somewhere. So I did robotics, then then I think uh to, like back in development and ethical hacking for some time. Then I hacked into my my the teacher who was teaching me and and I I hacked into her Gmail and then I I just got banned from like hacking in general because <laughs> it was too uh it's like the uh, not very ethical enough so uh yeah basically then uh yeah later I I uh finally like COVID happened and I I got like the full freedom of like everything I didn't have school or anything like the world doesn't know what's happening tomorrow uh and there's like lockdown everywhere you're stuck in your computer all day and that was like uh the best time for me because i had uh obviously i had a lot of time so i started to like multiple things i i i started to do data science and like a couple of things but the main thing which i started was like i i started creating videos again so uh 
and like looking into like SEO and like digital marketing like generally and then like grew my channel from about like thousand uh, subscribers to like I think right now eighteen thousand subscribers and about like a million views in like just like a year so yeah that was that was like great uh great start and then um uh, finally in uh and during that time I I started to earn money finally so and and like after that I. Uh, I got into this like webinar on on Bitcoin, like basically Bitcoin blockchain, and there I earned like twenty dollars of blockchain uh, of Bitcoin, and that was like so uh amazing for me because I had heard of Bitcoin in twenty eighteen or seventeen, and like during that time, like my my parents came from like they they only had like understanding of like stocks and stuff, so like during that time, Bitcoin was around. 15 lakh indian rupees and that was like really unaffordable to like just buy that uh buy that uh buy, buy bitcoin so i uh i did look into it then but after i got no there's like fractionalization it was like so amazing because now mm. i have freedom to like get get like payments for like anything and like everything so I started looking around more blockchains, finally found Ethereum, and then I discovered like DeFi and apps, like which is like much better version of FinTech. Uh, I, I I wanted to get on FinTech for a long time, but the problem was I was underage and I couldn't like open a bank account, even like get payments for anything. Like it's such a hassle. Mm-hmm. Um so after getting into Ethereum, I, I learned like Solidity and like smart contract development, did freelancing for like about three four months like uh, like i i started on freela fiber then like they banned me then i started to advertise on youtube and then like, i got some clients i did well and then i finally got bored uh so i i built like a experiment project which is basically like a yield farm yield regator like it was like mix of like everything which was hyped up during that cycle mm-hmm. and that got about like seven million dollars of tv that peak and this was i think 2021 20, may um uh, and yeah, after after some time, like the fees started to like not generate like uh the fees started stop generating. It was very loss making. So I just uh had to uh shut it down in December. Uh and and just for for the contract, I I didn't raise any funds for this. Uh, hence like uh in uh in in uh about uh, i think in december i i built like another uh, project which was which is basically like cross chain yield regator where like it could it could it found found the best yield like from any chain and like uh farmed out there and like raised a million dollars for uh for that like from different uh investors uh and and the funny thing was like i i tried to raise like a 300k round before that i raised it properly like from five angels uh in in i think november or, or sorry, I think it was October or yeah somewhere sorry, somewhere around that, uh and like that time it was very hard because like I I did like the pitching and everything online so like people didn't really know that I I was uh like fourteen and like they didn't believe it, but later like in twenty twenty two I I went to Crypto Bahamas which is I think like nearly like largest crypto conference till now because like it was like uh it, it, it was, was like, like the FTX uh, one right like uh, yeah FTX it was the FTX one right now, yeah. and like everyone like the press the the old president uh the prime minister of uk like uh, like many people came uh and and like that was like everyone and every big vc in crypto was there 
so I, I started like pitching there and like while and like I wasn't really even pitching I, I was just like introducing my project and like meanwhile I just like raised like a million dollars like got commitments for a million dollars and like within that week and and later like the in in August it got acquired and I had to shut down the protocol uh later uh later in in September I joined FTX Ventures after FTX went down in November, I, I left it and and joined, uh, uh and like started hacking around and uh, building stuff. And now in and like last month, uh, actually this month I I, I joined Eigenlayer. And and meantime, I was also part of Solana Labs. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, I I think you gained quite a bit of notoriety. Um. I want to say this is like maybe like a year and a half, two years ago, and maybe maybe a little less than that because you were like yeah. one of the, the the youngest developers that was developing on Solana. And um, yeah, I, I know I know a lot of people LARP on on Twitter or on the internet and pretend that they're like a fourteen year old <laughs> developer, you know. But like, well, when you show up to a conference and you're actually like fourteen years old and you're developing protocols um that are being used by like thousands of people that have millions of dollars of tvl it is quite impressive um so, so you want to talk a little bit about your experience um developing on solana specifically when you were at ftx and um basically your general thoughts on the the current state of solana i i know solana has um has had quite a few ups and downs in the past yeah. few years um a, a lot of it is due to ftx uh solana and, and ftx were tied basically hand in hand like a lot of the projects were funded by by sam or by ftx ventures um and after after the ftx fallout the, the the solana price at least the token price went down quite a bit but it seems like um the the ecosystem at least has responded in a very good way um in terms of like all the protocols being developed now are like independently funded or at least out funded outside of ftx ventures or like the, the previous ftx ventures and there seems to be a resurgence in the activity in the community um so yeah just give me your general thoughts on like the whole the whole solana ecosystem from the developer side Definitely, yeah. Uh, I I started off like building on Solana in in twenty twenty one. I just like uh like late twenty twenty one, like early twenty twenty one. I was still learning it. Later, they introduced this framework called Anchor, which was built by Serum. Uh, uh, yeah. I I built like about like seventy five programs, which were I think not seventy five, sorry, uh, thirty five or forty programs on on Solana, which was which are there on Ethereum, but not not on Solana. There I got like most of the exposure that hey, I'm, I'm with the Solana kid. Uh, yeah, and and like I, uh, I built like stuff around that and like didn't own but Solana Labs and all. Uh, and also worked at this. Uh, so while while I was at FTX Ventures, I I. Uh, worked with the portfolio company Backpack, which was, which was a wallet on Solana. Um, yeah, and I think like if you if you compare like pre FTX and po uh, post FTX, before FTX, I think like, uh, raising funds was like very easy on Solana. Uh, because Almeida was like on everyone's cap table. Yeah, and and Just gives Uncle Sam a call yeah. and <laughs> gives <laughs> like, some money. Yeah. <laughs> sort of yes. Uh. And like after FTX, like uh, people had to like find like anything could be funded before that. Uh, like after some time, like only like proper projects was were getting funded. Um, yeah, I think like and even I think after the collapse, like 
like some project got some projects got washed out because like they had the funds in FTX. Um and then they lost it. Uh they lost like Mojara Treasury and stuff. Yeah, um, I, I I I know quite a few projects like that yeah. which were funded by FTX and decided to keep yeah. their basically a majority of their entire runway on FTX either, you know, it, yeah. just as e e using like the, the FTX yield or something like that, or and, you know, yeah. essentially and, uh... using it as a bank account. My Sorry, my understanding yeah. is that that was encouraged by FTX. Uh, if you raise money from them, that they or, would or, or or Alameda, right? Like Alameda. Alameda, sorry, that Alameda would uh would like yield farm your treasury, right? Yeah, exactly. They, they they would they would basically say like we invested in you, but like if if you don't know what to do with the money or if, or like if, if you don't need it for immediate expenses, we we'll, we can we we can take your treasury and and yield farm it or trade with it, and then you'll get some sort of return, which is. I mean, I guess if you're a founder in the space um, and you, you you trust Alameda or you trust FTX, I mean, after all that they were funding you, then um, it, it seems like a, a pretty reasonable offer. But the, I, I feel like a lot of projects um, went down this route, got pretty screwed because they, they had like basically the, their entire balance or a majority of their balance besides like day to day operating expenses on FTX. Uh, I guess I'm I'm not sure about like the the treasury part. Uh, sorry, the yield part. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there was like the five percent yield on on FTX.com, which you I think FTX app, which you could own like just keeping your funds there. Uh, but uh, I think couple other I think like this incident also happened with three AC where they they like asked their investment comp like their portfolio companies to give them money in in exchange yield. Uh, but other than that, like I think, like of like if you so see Solana, uh, like year to date, about like I think it was hundred percent uptime compared to last year. Uh, they have like second largest developer base, like uh, mm -hmm. uh, like after EVM, like as per Electric Capital's developer report. Um, uh, there are like many like interesting protocols, like like Trip House, which are which are like. Uh, which are minting like millions of NFTs like every week, mm -hmm. uh, and like they are just paying like two k in fees like every year every month, which is like pretty low compared to like Ethereum or like any other EVM chain. Yeah, uh, and even like developer tooling is increasing, like uh, and like foundation is giving out like uh grants to certain projects and like. Uh, I guess like DeFi is like the only thing which isn't happening like really, uh, in a in a large scale of Solana. Like there are like few awesome protocols like Cheeto and Margin Fire, which are yep. we're doing some cool things. Yep. Um, uh, we had Ansem on for the last podcast, and he he oh, actually awesome. said like uh, he he uh, Andreas asked asked him at the end of the episode well, what uh, what Solana um applications right now he was bullish on or he he thought we should get people from from the for the podcast sorry and um yeah he he, he listed exactly those two uh so yep. yeah it, it, it's interesting and, and i don't think either of those are ftx or almeida funded they they they, they launched post the whole ftx blow up if i'm not mistaken uh i think margin i think no i guess they were there before uh like they were they, they had like existence before that but most of that growth was after after FTX mm -hmm. uh, uh but like I think like FTX's liquidation is pretty bad on their like uh general like, token like uh I think like about 440 million is like unlocked right now which which the entity uh, which the estate can sell anytime 
Yeah, it's it's a mess. Uh, and, it's going to be a mess when, yeah, when they start like selling on the market or oh, I mean, I don't know what's going totally. on there. It, it it feels like they're just racking up legal fees right now and paying yeah. themselves. But uh, yeah, once yes. they start mobilizing those funds, uh, who who knows what's going to happen? That's true. I think like Galaxy is doing the liquidation part uh, for most of the assets. Uh, I'm not sure why they haven't like liquidated yet, but like the market is acting like pretty inverse to the uh to the news like people are just buying up like uh buying up the news like similar to like what uh, uh i'm not sure like a couple of months back like government transferred like ten thousand btc or something to sell yeah. uh -huh. and like the market just shot up and they got dumped on it so like the market is pretty bad on like pricing out like tokens right now yep yep yeah uh yes yeah, so i wanted to talk a little bit about the government <laughs> I, I wanted to, I wanted to talk a little bit about um like your progression as a developer um so like you initially learned solidity right to to program on Ethereum and EVM like during DeFi summer did did you yeah. teach yourself that or like did, uh, did you go to school to, to to learn that skill Oh yeah so like after after like about uh so i did like c c plus plus and like java like in in institutions but later like other things i i like once you learn like the top like the hard programming languages it's like much easier to like adapt to other ones mm -hmm. in my opinion like generally so uh solidity and like all the smart contract stuff that was like totally self-taught and i don't think anyone like really did like courses and stuff uh there were like some courses in udami i, I watched but i'm not sure if, if it's considered self-taught or uh mm -hmm. yeah uh and yeah, then I guess I, I guess, uh, I guess the, the same with Rust when you started developing on Solana. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was that was totally subtract, yes. Oh, I was going to, yeah, I was going to ask about the, the Rust part because yeah, even if you know C and C++, I mean, that's not going to help you so much if you're, yeah. if you're getting into epic battles with the Rust borrow checker, right? Especially starting yeah. out, it's pretty, pretty tough. But um, yeah. the way I understand it is when you write Solana codes, that's not really a problem because you're, yeah, um, yeah, totally. you, you don't have these complicated memory structures because the smart yeah. contract is very simple. But what, um, totally. what was it like to, what was it like to go from Solidity to, yeah. to Rust and, but especially to, um, I mean, it's completely different. Solana is has you can explain how it works for anybody listening, but the whole with the programs and uh, yeah. just everything. What, what was that like? Yeah, I I think like uh, going from Solana to like Ethereum to Solana was pretty hard, uh, and also like most of like uh, most of Solana's like development like in rushed is like not really rushed. Like it's it's like uh, like both are pretty different generally when you write them. Uh, so I guess like when I started, it was pretty hard, but later, like I got a grasp of it, uh, but like composability is like serious problem, like in Solana smart contracts, because like generally, if you want to like swap, uh, like generally, if you want to land something, so for example, I'm building a protocol, which is, which is farming the yield from another protocol and like recompounding it. Like that is like such a big hassle on chain because uh for sure like it's an like an auto compounder type thing where like yeah uh, yeah it, if, it if you are building so like that's what i did right so i i so like the main uh so the second uh the, the company i built like it was basically how it worked was like um uh basically like uh a person get deposit money from any any chain but and like this like all this money is later like allocated to solana 
and from Solana, we shoot it to like the best yield, like uh, calculating it, like wherever there's a best yield and all of this was like powered by a wormhole. Uh, but like uh, while building this, this was like such a big problem because uh, composable, uh, composability is a problem, uh, like because you have to like provide like accounts, like from like the first level. Uh, so for example, I'm depo um, compounding, for example. So I need to provide the accounts for the landing uh, protocol, then, uh, then the swaps and like all of them, and th that is such a, uh, that that is the problem with like stateless systems. Uh, compared to what what Ethereum is the state uh, Ethereum is the state, uh, based smart contracts. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I I wanted to talk a little bit about um like it, it seems like when you jumped into DeFi or like during the yeah. the DeFi summer two thousand twenty two thousand twenty one uh, somewhere around there. Um, yeah. I, I feel like that landscape was quite different than what we have today. Um, yeah. a, a lot, most of the action was on Ethereum. There weren't really Ethereum layer twos. There were, there were some like, um, there, there are some alternate layer ones, but yeah. the, the, the layer one landscape was substantially different than it is today. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it seems like you, you were a little, a little bit ahead of your time and you're building stuff such as like yield aggregators or, you know, like, uh, if you built you essentially built a protocol that would find the best yield across uh, all chains um and i feel like the the whole uh the the whole defi ecosystem has evolved to a point where everything um at least in the near future is going to be either cross chain or multi chain you're like uh there's going to be like seamless transactions you, you yeah. can possibly borrow on, on one chain um, while having collateral on, or another chain, you you could execute a, a a deck swap on one chain and have it execute or have it route to another chain if if the the routing makes sense and you get a better price. Um, I, I feel like that's all in the future. Um, the, the the main issues I see right now is that there isn't a very good solution for cross chain bridging right now. If you look at like the the, the major bridge hacks or the, the major hacks in crypto, like a majority of them right. are are bridges. And if you look at the fundamentals of how bridging works, like a lot of them are are really bad. I mean, I, I feel like people use bridges without understanding like how if they're decentralized, if they're centralized, what what points of failure they have, and then you look at something something like like recently the, the multi coin hack, uh, you find out that like there was a single point in failure with the CEO where like he he basically held the keys to to, to the entire protocol, and yeah. if he if he's thrown away in jail or something like that, like hundreds of millions of dollars somehow can can, can get you know either locked or stolen that that essentially were bridged from a uh, chain to chain. So, um, you have any thoughts on currently the, the I guess the whole uh, DeFi ecosystem in terms of all the chains and if there's a good long term solution that we should adopt for bridging? Sure. Uh, yep. Uh, I think like oh, I'll just uh, connect the first uh, part. So I, I joined like DeFi when I think like the L two move was going on. So like when people were farming on like BSC and Polygon, like I. Like the experiment project I built that was on Polygon, and then like I, like we had uh, Avalanche stuff, so uh, I was like part of that. And like, unfortunately, I, I wasn't part of like the good part of like farming like Yon or or like protocols like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, but getting back to bridging, I think like um, uh, slowly like bridges will get more decentralized. Right now, like I think not all of them are very decentralized, but uh like layer zero and wormhole are doing pretty good uh 
I think layer zero has like largest like layer zero is probably the largest bridge right now. Uh uh and like war mole is like used for like by default assets for uh for Solana and Sui and Aptos, I guess. Uh uh so yeah, in, in future, I guess like what, what I see is like every protocol is going to be like interoperable. Uh uh from uh so for example, there's like uh, uh there is like uh, a landing protocol like you can borrow from like any chain from any chain uh and like there's like uh like liquidity is fragmented like there's one uh liquidity and you can like uh, trade on that uh and like it's like much easier in terms of like user experience uh like compared like compared to now where like the user needs like manually press to like base if they want to do some like shitcoin aping or like doing something <laughs> like that like like you can you can just put money on on uh i think sushi has that actually uh like i think on x sushi you can like swap like from one chain to another uh -huh. yeah yeah it's interesting you are uh yeah. you, you did work at polygon or you just use polygon as a chain Oh yeah, we just uh, I just used like Polygon as a chain to deploy the stuff because like I think my protocol was the second like farm on for a farm on Polygon like proper farm on Polygon. So for for me, yeah. Polygon was was one of my first experiences into bridging. I think like the two chains mm -hmm. I used for bridging um, initially yeah. were Binance Smart Chain and Polygon, and and I had a bit of rude awakening as to figuring yeah. out how the Polygon bridge actually worked. Yeah, um, it, it's apparently. It's apparently three people sitting in a room <laughs> yeah. that, that that they handle all your money. And Nowadays, I, not I, I found this out in the same room, different countries. <laughs> I, I found this out because I, I had money stuck on the Polygon bridge because one of the guys was out at lunch break or something. So I had to wait a few hours <laughs> for, for, for my money to arrive. And, and I thought about it and I'm like, huh, I'm, I'm not sure if this is the best bridge design to, to, to run like a, a chain with like billions of dollars of TVL, but, uh, yeah. Um, so, so continuing on with the, the whole cross-chain stuff, um, yeah. from a developer's perspective, are there any new innovations in decentralized finance or new protocols uh, aside from like the basic, you know, like automated market maker, you know, borrow land platforms that you're especially bullish or excited about that yeah. may gain a decent amount of market share or at least a, a larger user base for people using them? Uh I start off with shilling my bags first. Yeah. I guess Eigenlayer is is going to be uh, like I am super bullish on Eigenlayer, very biased. I work there, uh. But other than that, I think like uh, there are a couple of like cool protocols. Uh, I think like right now, uh, there's uh, uh there's this protocol called uh uh Waymount, which is like pretty much like next generation uh uh next generation uh self custody uh wallet basically it is it is founded by Jay Bhavanani who built like uh Rari Capital which which got like one billion dollars in DVL during his leadership uh and like also built a wallet before so he definitely has experience on that like one thing they are building like really interesting is called smart actions where like basically you can uh you can program like every uh move on chain so like in case like um uh, 
in case like Avi is going to go bankrupt in some time or like uh, sorry if Avi is going to go like insolvent like you can like design like smart actions like uh, or that like pre-design smart actions where you can uh you can withdraw uh sorry oh uh, yeah you can you can basically withdraw like uh, money in, in in that case um like there are there are some some more examples where like in case uh yes i i have like a list of these things so uh yeah, I think it is it is pretty cool what they're building. Uh and other than that, what what else is interesting happening in DeFi? Uh cross chain is going good. I think uh on a developer side, I think layer zero is the best like bridge to to like integrate and like mm -hmm. start executing. Um uh, and like radiant is pretty cool where you can like borrow from different chains easily. Um yeah, I, I feel I feel like um layer zero has been getting a lot of hype, but they're they're getting a lot of hype for the wrong reasons. Um <laughs> the airdrop. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um yeah. I, I feel like people don't really care about the, yeah. <laughs> the the fundamental use case that it brings to decentralized finance. It opens the door for like really cool things that to happen. Yeah. But it, just by having a, a way for chains to to communicate with each other basically um and then it, it sort of opens the doors for like really cool protocols like i i feel like okay. some of them are already coming out or stuff like tapioca stuff like radiant uh yeah where like you you have a position on on one chain you can yeah. use that position like as collateral as as like a um if you need liquidity on on another chain, you don't have to go through yeah. like a, a centralized bridge where like your your funds are in custody. It it, it just mm -hmm. says like the collateral is in use in, in this chain, therefore you can have th these assets on another chain. And yeah. I feel like it's just a sort of the tip of the iceberg because once you have like this fundamental like infrastructure mm -hmm. where you can just like build new protocols that that do new things, um, it, it's sort of left to the the imagination of the developer, right? Like it, yeah. A lot of the protocols I think we'll use in a few years haven't really even been thought of today. You know, like if they come out, people will be like, wow, that's an amazing idea. Well, this is awesome. Why yeah. we ha why haven't we had this um, within DeFi? But, you, you know, I guess stuff like this takes quite yeah. some time to brainstorm and develop. There are also like, or like uh, I I must just like there are also like decentralized pops like TMX and Polynomial and Quanta which are coming up like I'm like I I think like after after like FTX and like Celsius and all these like centralized uh, custodial collapses like uh like people are moving a lot of their funds to like uh decentralized platforms uh and I think like I personally use Polynomial a lot for for trading like before like uh, my hundred percent of my trades were like on 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 like Binance or or, or FEX mostly. Uh yeah. but, um... also LSDs are cool right now. Uh but <laughs> like like yeah. uh, uh uh and like few months back like LSDs were doing like pretty good but there was like landing protocols and like industry like yeah and industry like stable coins and uh there was also this like uh, no loss lottery where you could like basically uh like use the yield of uh, uh, use the yield of the uh, use Lido's yield to like distribute uh money to like three people, three random people. Uh, there's also like RWEs, but right now they're hyping up a lot. Uh, 
uh, like every chain you see is like like if you came to token 2049 i just you with that so like uh everyone you see they want to build the rwa like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so funny like and like rwa's are cool but i think like in my opinion like uh like i would go long on rwa's when like uh there are like kyc free rwa's like yeah uh like i could opt into a treasury without uh the government knowing who i am or like the platform knowing who i am uh uh yeah yeah i i feel like that that's going to be a big concern in the future like where yeah. um at, at least uh i mean i don't think it's even limited to that but even like if you want to use something like uniswap like it's possible in the future uniswap will have like region-based front ends where yeah. they, they, they force you to kyc or or they, they sort of censor the the, the the tokens like like for mm. example if there's like a synthetic U.S. dollar product that you know yeah. works well, but it isn't issued by the U.S. government. That they're obviously not going to like that. And that if 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 they have access to to censorship on chain, they're they're definitely going to limit the number of people at least like within their jurisdiction to be able to trade that. So yeah, I think I think it's important to develop at least protocols that are. Um, mostly censorship resistant. I mean, like they don't have to be completely censorship resistant, but like, I I think it's a bad path to go down where like you want to use decentralized finance and it's like forced KYC, you know, like mm -hmm. centralized entities and stuff like that. Um, it, it sort of defeats the purpose of the the general idea or the general thesis behind why why decentralized finance is necessary to combat the the traditional financial system. Totally, sure. Um... I had I bought the RWAs. Yeah, I, for, I forgot when we were doing this, but I mean, you you've seen it. You've seen a cycle or two now, Kajesh. So, yeah, because I was thinking about it the RWAs. Yeah, I was <laughs> thinking about the RWAs, especially U.S. Treasuries. Yeah, and we were we were joking on the last show that um, you know how crypto is. So if you get U.S. Treasuries, then yeah. within a couple of months it's going to be Canadian, right? And yeah. then it's going to be like then it's going to be French. And then it's going to be Spanish and then it's going to be Argentinian. Yeah. Like, because this is how it works because people will chase the higher yield with yeah. more risk over time. This is how people work. Yeah. So uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of seeing already that I think there's going to be some kind of a bull market in increasingly worse um, bonds, higher and higher risk. Yeah. Don't stop at Argentina. Start issuing bonds from, from corporations that are terrible. Yeah. Uh, and people are going to aggregate this and yeah. put leverage on it, yes, on chain. Yeah, and you can. Uh, and I think that's going to go US crazy. Treasury. So, so if you if you want to speculate, like, uh, it was hard in the last cycle to. I mean, you could. When you were yield farming, it gets ridiculous, right? I mean, it's yeah. like pancake bunny swap, and you're just sitting there yeah. pressing buttons. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, what? Um, so how far do you think in the next cycle all this stuff can go? Like, what kind of stuff are we going to see? Um, like, how crazy is it going to get low? What's the, what's the craziest thing you can think of? Craziest thing I can think of? Uh, that was, uh -huh. I think, like, uh, one of the craziest ideas I was joking around uh, during the conference. But other than that, I think, like, this this whole stack of things, uh, mm -hmm. like, would be interesting. Uh other than that, uh, sorry, I think like uh, back to back to the next cycle thing. Uh, uh, people are still bad at pricing uh tokens and the the proper market. Uh, 
it happened last cycle, last cycle before that, just the difference is like every time you see it, uh, there are like new steps towards it. So like when we started yield farming, it was just like you deposit a token, you earn some random yield, and that token is back to $100. Uh, or like $100 million uh, uh, of, of uh, market cap. Uh, but maybe, maybe in... Uh, me and, and like if you see like another like six months after that there was like step to own where you just like buy uh, a shoe a digital shoe and you walk around and like you just own the token and that token is up for some reason and there's like no utility of the token you can't you can't get the real shoe anyways uh but like uh in future like me this may like uh like yield farming <laughs> will be like very complicated but there will be a lot of yield that people will be just aping into it. Even like right now, friend tech is like pretty much like literally a Ponzi, but people are still aping into it. So I guess in the next cycle, something which is not going to change is people pricing everything wrong. <laughs> uh, but something will, uh, like something which can change is uh, uh, maybe like the amount of opportunities which which are going to come up because now like like if you see uh, like the person who has experienced the previous cycle they know where where you when you need to like exit properly or like at least like where uh, uh where like something is going bad uh like like the person basically has like uh, the uh the knowledge of like when to get get in and get out of things like how much to put in like they have like the experience of losing money uh yeah so opportunities will go down uh, a lot uh and yeah I wanted to ask about the um. So you you built uh like pr the previous cycle uh DeFi summer you built yeah. basically a yield aggregator yeah. and then something yeah. that would find you the best yield. Yeah. Uh, I I feel like th th that in and of itself is I guess the yield aggregator is simple because like in general you have a protocol that issues a governance token so the uh, like the aggregator would just you know like yeah. for, for for people it was essentially save gas fees by by bundling all their yeah. positions together and then selling the mm -hmm. emission token and adding it back uh to the lp um mm -hmm. but when you're looking at you know like the optimal farms or or, or the optimal yield um yeah how, how do you put in consideration for stuff like you know like uh impermanent loss or or, or safety of the protocol and stuff like that that mm -hmm. it isn't exactly you know you're not really able to calculate that mathematically oh oh that's a really good question uh, or the depreciation of the pool two tokens <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's, that's a good question uh interesting yeah that is interesting so uh, so the protocol i built like that was like one thing which is different about it uh uh, I think this this may get out of the question, but uh, but basically you you didn't actually own like the governance token, so we never did token. Uh, but basically how it worked was like you you got a yield and then you got the yield in USDC instead of uh or like like we did like a main that pay down avalanche which got about like two hundred k of TVL, uh. And and like basically like people earned AVAX uh instead of like a governance token and that that generated like a lot of like psychological hack where like people are earning something like stronger asset mm -hmm. uh which has liquidity but basically in the background uh, what worked was like <clears throat> uh the yield people uh, the yield 
uh, wasn't really compounded. We just like sold it and like converted it into AVAX and gave it to people. Uh, I see. So uh, it, it it wasn't it wasn't added to the LP. Yeah, you, you just you just paid it out. Yeah, we just paid it out. Like, I see. Uh, yeah, in, in somewhat way. Like, uh, uh, I guess we had we designed like multiple uh, models for this. Uh, where like in some cases, like only fifty percent will be given out and fifty percent will be compounded back in. Uh, mm-hmm. something around that yeah yeah that, that, that does make sense yeah uh it, yeah I, I feel like at the time it was pretty difficult to um to to, to figure out what what was optimal um yeah. like, like for example like i i remember doing a lot of farming on a binance smart chain where yeah. like the the apis were insane but then also like like y- y- you look at the ui and you think to yourself, this is probably a scam, but you know, like if, <laughs> yeah. if I'm in here for an hour and make $10,000. So uh, yeah. is, is it worth it? Can I get out quick enough? Uh, I guess the, the, those days are a bit behind us where you, you can't really fork Uniswap or Sushi Swap, like print your own token. And then somehow the token yeah. gets like million dollar uh, valuations. Exactly. And, and it makes sense now, like more protocols, like I know you bring up GMX, but like one of the interesting things about GMX is like if you're an LP provider um, in like GLP or even their their version two, they they essentially pay you out in the Ethereum fees. So th- there mm-hmm. isn't really um, like a, a, a shit coin, a governance token that, that, yeah. that needs to be sold anymore. And exactly. like, it sounds like it's, it's pretty similar to, to what you're doing on Avalanche because like, the, I think the, yeah. the biggest problem with, with yield farming is people that have large positions in these protocols, the, yeah. the, they end up generating quite a bit of the protocol token. But like yeah. in, in reality, like the, the, the life of a lot of these protocols is like, maybe like a third to a fourth of an entire cycle. Like the, exactly. the, the the biggest farms at the beginning of DeFi summer were completely dead by like the middle of DeFi summer, right? So yeah, um, yeah it, it, it makes sense to at least develop protocols or develop aggregators that allow you to generate real assets rather than just like sort of governance tokens or, or tokens printed out of uh, printed out of whatever for, uh, for the protocol, which uh, I feel like a, a lot of people when they get into decentralized finance, they they sort of invest or, or at least um that they, they LP into the pools that have like the the highest return, like the the highest number on the screen, the, the highest APY n- number. But that's obviously in consideration of n- not just protocol fees, but like what you're getting paid outside of the protocol fees. But like exactly. the, the assets you're getting paid outside the protocol fees, like aren't going to be worth the same amount. But like the 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 the, the moment you you put some assets in as LP, the yeah. the yield goes down in theory because like the assets you're generating out of it are 100 yeah. percent of the time are going to be going down throughout the lifespan of, of your LP. Um, but like, I feel like one thing that I'm pretty happy about in DeFi is we've moved away from that a bit, where a lot of the protocols now are like, for example, if, if you have a like borrow lend platform, a, yeah. a lot of the yield is what would they call real yield, right? Like you're, you're getting paid the fees that the other people that require your LP, require your services are paying. And even though the yields are down a lot, it seems like it's a much more long-term sustainable thing, right? Because if, if 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 there's demand for the LPing, then the fees will be generated from LPing. If there's no demand from LPing, then like there won't be any fees and it won't be as attractive LP. People will pull their liquidity. But it, it 
like in the previous cycle, it was just like, if, if there's no demand, we'll just print more of the token. And, and net now there's going to be like in, increased liquidity because, you know, we're printing more of the token and we're, we're giving it out. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. So um, moving on, actually, um, I guess this goes into the uh, category of cross chain. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about um, Ethereum, especially the Ethereum layer twos that are popping up and like the yeah. whole layer two thesis. Um, and, and I feel like this is sort of a recurring topic that we talk about here. Um, but I, I wanted to hear your takes on like how Ethereum right now is scaling. Um, the, the whole layer two thesis is, um, sure. are we going to have a, a winner within all the layer twos or they're just going to be, you know, orthogonal layer twos that, operate independently and, and each have their own thing going is is there enough uh i guess is there enough of a user base in order to support all these layer twos because it seems like there are quite a few popping out and a lot of them sort of have like the the same technology like the the, the same optimistic roll-up but they they do a little bit something a little bit different or that they have like a sort of different dApps, but essentially like most proto protocols, at least in my opinion, like for mm. layer twos, most of the protocols, even though they have like different names, even if they have like different teams, they all essentially do the same thing. Like you, you go to any layer two and you have basically like the same, like six or seven dApps that have the, like the, the biggest share that do exactly the same thing that they do on other chains. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess like people building L twos are really, really awesome. Uh, like one thing I I think is like basically like the last cycle like people were like the uh the future is multi chain, but during that time like chains were basically a new L ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, right now I think the whole thesis will just change where like instead of L ones it would be L twos and like L twos will be fighting for you fighting with each other or fighting like trying to get the best best like. Uh, uh, trying to uh, get the best growth, like by providing some different incentive. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and during like I went to uh, like Stanford blockchain conference, which was, which was like pretty interesting because it was mostly like L twos and like different like academics explaining like the best ways to scale the blockchain. Uh, and like some things which are popping up like uh new and, and uh in the in the space, uh and a lot of jargons uh. <laughs> So, uh, what I think about L2 is, uh, I don't have any major thoughts, but, uh, people building L2s are, are like, that, that is awesome because end of the day, like, Ethereum is going to get benefited, uh, out of the whole thing, like, and even, like, some L2s are, are now, sorry, uh, now even, like, L1s are moving to L2s, like, Salo and, and yeah. Astra, hmm. if I'm not wrong, uh, yeah, and like everyone's building, like every every like big big company is building L two, like Coinbase is building L two, Bybit is building L two. Mm -hmm. Uh, the the consensus is building the L two. Uh, and like like base is generating like millions in fees right now, so like that is also pretty interesting. And um, yeah, don't you think um, because when the L twos came out. I was yeah. one of these people, by the way. I was a bit negative. I don't know why. I'm like, yeah. dude, who's gonna bridge to Arbitrum to save some to save like five dollars on fees, and then you buy the thing, and I got to bridge yeah. back and all this. But I mean, now we're seeing. I've been working a lot. Uh, I've been using Layer Zero a lot, like in the last two weeks. Yeah. 
dude, the user doesn't have to do anything. <laughs> you yeah. don't have to, there's no switching. There's no doing anything because um, you can literally sit in your Ethereum wallet. You can initiate a transaction that gets bridged over to Arbitrum, performs a task there and bridges itself back to Ethereum. So yeah. you never switch your network. You didn't do anything. It just, um, you have this infinite composability. So yeah. the whole like, who's gonna who's gonna bother doing that argument if we have good messaging yeah. cross chain is yeah. out, right? Yeah, true. Yeah, I feel, I feel like the end goal of all these protocols is to make the user experience as easy and as seamless as possible. Mm -hmm. Like um, the, yeah. the barrier to entry to figure out like at least in the past of how, how to bridge stuff, how, how to, you know, like it, it, even like we talk about Solana, like, um, it's a lot simpler if you're bridging EVM to EVM chain, but like if, if figuring out how to, if, if you come from like an Ethereum background and you want to do like some DeFi on Solana, like the, the barrier to entry is pretty high, right? Like you have to figure mm -hmm. out like the, this new non EVM compatible chain, how it works, yeah. how to move mm -hmm. assets back and forth. I mean, like, at least from my experience, a lot of people just, just use FTX as a bridge, right? Like you just deposit yeah. <laughs> true, from, that from true. FTX, yeah. but uh, obviously that, that didn't work out too well. So I think like um, DeFi in the future, like with all these L2s, um, for, for the end user at least, um, there's going to be a there's going to be a time where like the user interface or the user experience is going to be so seamless where like yeah. you don't even like andreas said you, you don't even need to know that you're using the l2 like the, the l2 is just used as like a um or the, the, the l1 will be you use this like a solid settlement layer but like as as you use your wallet like you won't know that you're bridging to to an L2 and then br bridging back or at, maybe not even bridging like we think of it today just like relaying a message back from from the L1 to the L2 and and back to the L1 so uh yeah it, it's a very interesting future uh I think we have in DeFi that's true okay uh so before we uh let you go today i wanted to give you the floor and talk a little bit about um the project you're working at now uh, eigenlayer yeah. um can you give like us a brief synopsis of what they're looking to do and why you think it's important for the the future of ethereum sure definitely yeah so eigenlayer is basically like a shared security uh protocol where where for example now like a bridge needs like operators then they don't need like build their own network or or find like validators and stuff they they just can like use our like operators to uh to build uh to, to get them like proper like trusted validators like with like stake in hand mm -hmm. so i layer has three parts uh three stakers operators and services uh services are the protocols like oracles like bridges um l2s like like uh like infinite possibilities but and and then there are there are operators which which are which are the ones like running the validators or publishing data or things like that and then there are restakers which which uh which uh shake the ethereum and like delegate to like certain uh uh certain operators who who then have like uh a stake in hand so like in case like a person like does uh something malicious and like uh like publishes the wrong or actual data then like, he's going to get slashed and like all that 
Ethereum versus Restate is going to be used, like that is going to be frozen. Uh, yep. That's I like think I really almost, brief. I think I almost understood that. So yeah. like, uh, no, because like the, the issue if you're running a bridge, yeah. unless you have three guys in the basement, you know, and yeah. uh, <laughs> the bridge doesn't run when you're out for lunch, then yeah, yeah I, guess, I guess the problem is like you're, um, uh, somebody is running a program that performs these actions. They're part of almost like a multisig. And how do you find these participants? How do you validate the work and how do you punish yeah. those who do not perform the correct task? So is it like a, is it like a framework for making these kind of services? You could make uh you could make like an Oracle, you could make a prediction market, maybe. Yeah, there are, there are like different possibilities. Yeah. Like like anything which requires like, for example, trash. So um trash mm. are like generally like people who can like run these things. Okay, very cool. It seems like uh, we were talking about layer zero and people wanting to get into layer zero for the airdrop. It seems like there's quite a yeah. bit of demand for the the eigenlayer airdrop, even though I'm not even sure if they're they're going to airdrop anything. But I, I think no they, they, they uh, yeah, <laughs> we, we, we don't want to get you in trouble there. <laughs> but uh, I, I actually find it pretty interesting that I, I believe like in the past, like I want to say like uh two to four months that they opened up uh they, they opened up staking right you you can deposit like uh various lsds i think they offer like the the, the lido's uh sde that they offered like the coinbase ethereum they, they offer a few more and they offered like certain allocations to it but with without any without any promise or guarantee of anything basically like it, it wasn't like they promised additional apy um, outside of like the 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 the, the normal beacon chain rewards that um, staking ETH gave, yet like all these pools, I, I want to say that they opened up maybe like between like five and twenty thousand Ethereum at a time for all these pools, and I think they're all full now. And and they any time they they open up additional allocation, they they instantly get filled. So it, it seems like there there's quite a bit of demand for it. Uh, I'm not sure if people are hyped about the technology or that they're just hoping for a little free money on the back end. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's something interesting I've been following. So, awesome. But still no comments. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> man, I, yeah, I had some final questions. Um, um, what, uh, what tips do you hang, uh, have for uh, young builders? So not traders and farmers. I mean, people yeah. who want to, people who want to, program or at least assist on on the product of a startup in this industry like where should they start what should they do uh to move maybe not as fast as you but to move fast so like one thing which which can be uh which can be interesting is there's this uh DAO or soup team DAO where like basically you can you can publish your work or like show your your previous like uh contributions to open source or anything and you can get in the DAO and they have like these uh uh these like day like weekly uh, bounties or like building different things so it can be uh it can be like building a smart contract or like building a website like they they have it like every week and you uh you basically solve them and like get uh get the bounty generally they have like three uh three thousand rewards like or two three people uh 
but it, it varies uh another thing which you can do is like write write up some code publish it and that like go get a grant because right now like every l1 is giving out a grant nearly like i think even l2s are starting to give out like yeah. give out grants now uh optimism grants are like pretty awesome like and, and they are airdrops are the best uh <laughs> uh yeah i'm pretty biased i, I got all three airdrops uh, <laughs> but generally like i think like encryptors much easier for developers to get in compared to mm-hmm. like other uh, other industries like game development is filled up with uh with kids and people uh even like website developer like every, all like like at least like i i got my edge like in crypto like moving around like different uh industries mm-hmm. and i think this makes a lot of sense in 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 probably like third world countries because like it's harder to get payment harder to get employed or yeah. hard to get an internship like if you are like in the us or, or uk or any major like major country it's like much easier like people are much open to like hiring kids for like internship or something but uh if you see like in india like i it's like super hard because first of all uh getting to getting to like any country is pretty hard uh in terms of like visa or like yeah. generally like financial income of like my average uh course yeah mm-hmm. well, one final question for me um uh, so sort of expanding on that uh i know you've traveled to like quite a few different conferences or yeah. meetups and stuff like that do, do, do you feel like as a developer you've extracted a reasonable amount of value or how, how do you approach these things because um I feel like maybe not so recently, but I feel like in the past, especially during like the bigger bull cycles, you go to a few yeah. of these conferences and it's a lot of people attempting to like sell you on it something or yeah. attempting to like promote something, which, you know, like it is great and all, but it doesn't really add value to to what you're doing. And you, you also don't really grow yeah. or collaborate with like the people you're looking to meet and collaborate with. So uh, just like talk a little bit about your experience traveling and like meeting people at these, uh, these meetups. Definitely. Yeah. I have. Uh, so I, I generally go to conferences, like meet up like folks from Twitter and like generally people I know for a long time online. Uh, and uh like if you see like token 2049 like the main main event was pretty uh pretty not interesting like the attendees were like really awesome like like uh majority like uh, but if you see like the side events which happened during token 2049 were awesome they were yeah they were like filled with awesome people and like i think most of the people from twitter i met up inside events like uh, i met andreas and uh, it's like i met andreas at at uh uh and poker night and yeah the, uh, the night, night. Yeah. yeah uh and like yeah like my goal of like conference is generally to meet people and like uh i think to, uh, like stanford's conference was the only different one where like i, I came there to like just know what's happening in the academic space uh-huh. uh yeah and uh like crypto bahamas was also pretty different uh you got to meet tony blair mostly. <laughs> uh yeah there was tony blair sorry uh what was uh sorry, what was your question uh no the, 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 that was about it um yeah like i i, oh, I sort right. of had the 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 same sentiment of with conferences like uh y- y- usually the the actual conference itself the, the the ticket price is pretty high 
and yeah. the like the 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 whole value of going to like a large auditorium and listening to someone speak on something that yeah. will likely will be recorded and posted on the internet later it, yeah. it doesn't seem like that great to me whereas like during token 2049 I, you bring it up like all, all the side events were great like you, you get to meet people like you, you get to discuss what they're working on you discuss what you're working on I mean, you get people's contacts, like you keep in touch with them. I, I feel like that should be more the focus of these meetups rather than, you know, like a, a hired speaker speaking to like thousands of people about some stuff they sort of understand, but don't really care about. And, you know, essentially stuff like that. I, I'm not a fan of like the, 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 the centralized main conference, but I am a fan of yeah. like people getting together like not like-minded people getting together at the same place at the same time and discussing like their their common interests uh, i feel like the, the value in that is is quite large i uh Gidish, i just have one question uh which is uh who else do you think we should have on the show somebody builders is the best people building a cool product it's especially uh oh i think you should have uh uh, Sriram and uh, and Jai Bhavani on the show. Who who are they? Uh, Sriram is is my boss. So uh, oh and, and, okay, and okay. Jai yeah. is is oh. one of my. Uh, we would absolutely love to have them on the show. Yeah, I, I didn't re I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, yeah, we would absolutely love to have them on on the show. All right, uh, I think that's all we have today. Andreas, do you have any other questions? No, nah, that's uh, we've learned we've learned plenty for today. We've learned we learned a lot today. We appreciate your time and thanks for coming yeah. on. Yeah, yeah thank thanks you for much. having me. It was it was an awesome podcast.